0: Hello, podcast fans, and welcome to the Mom Village. We are so excited that we are here in part two of this financial topic. My name is Marie Ramos, and I'm here with my ladies, like always, I got to introduce my girls, Kira Kelly. Hey, ladies. And Kristen Scroggins. Hi, ladies. And Kristen, who do we have again with us? I'm so glad they say yes again. Oh, I'm so excited. So we have the Scalisees with us. And as
1: you know, if you've listened already, part one was about finances. And ladies, let me just tell you, I hate talking about budget (laughs) and money and finances because it gets on my nerves. I just want to live in Disneyland and pretend like we can afford everything and we can help everybody and have a good time too. But somehow the Scalisee crew... Makes this an enjoyable topic. Right. And uh, we're going to talk about why that is with this first question. But they're just, they're fun, they're generous, but they've got their act together, especially in the area of finances. And so we're so grateful, Steve and April, that y'all have come back you, to God. enlighten us more about this ever important topic about money. I mean, God talks about it in the Bible, it's important, and what we do with it is very important if we're going to be good stewards of all the things that He's given us. So Let's talk about this. Tell me a little bit about God's commandment of being a cheerful giver and how we can give and still live abundantly. And what does that really mean to live abundantly? Because it doesn't necessarily mean to live extravagantly in the world's ways. But again, how do we, what is the deal about being a cheerful giver? And how can we give and still live abundantly? Because we know that God deeply cares about our finances.
3: That's right, Kristen, and thank you for having us back. So we had a good time last time, and we're glad to be back for part two. You're right; the Bible does tell us in Second Corinthians nine six to seven, "Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver." Mm. And then Jesus talked a lot about money in Matthew. He for no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money and that's oh. Matthew 6:19 through 21 and verse 24 mm. and yeah the bible just is very clear about how we are supposed to have an attitude about our finances and our money and it's not supposed to have our heart and that's that's hard to do it's hard steve i mean i know that you see this a lot when you yeah. counsel people
4: oh yeah and i think that passage there in Matthews, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, right? The greatest sermon ever told. And he's literally takes, he carves out this section and says, listen, where your treasure is there, your heart will mm. be also. So, yep. and what we do in the investments too, like for example, and there's nothing, it's, it's okay, but like you buy Apple stock. Well, all of a sudden, every time you hear about Apple, your your ears perk up, your your eyes open, your, your heart perks up a little bit. Well, it's the same thing when we give to the Lord. When we're giving to, maybe we're giving to missionaries, we're giving to our church, we're giving to our favorite local charities, our favorite local missions, whatever they may be, we hear about that. And now all of a sudden we're like, oh, hey, what's going on over there? You might have a family that your a missionary family in Haiti that you support. And then you hear that there's an earthquake. Your heart, it literally, it, it jumps, it skips a beat. And you're like, hey, what's going on? What's going on over in Haiti? Because you're invested yeah. in Haiti. Something happens at your church. You're invested in your church. And so he uh there's a guy by the name of Randy Alcorn. And we passed this book out a few years ago called The Treasure Principle and mm-hmm. it's based on that passage. And that book was vital to us probably 16, 17 years ago. I was I was reading a, I used to do a radio show called God's Money and I was reading this book by him called Money Possessions and Eternity. It's like 500 pages long. And I was just I needed some fodder for some radio ideas and stuff and he is a great writer and and then he wrote, I call it the Cliff's notes of that book. I wish I had known first, I would have read this first. <laughs> it's a hundred pages and it's like it's it's tiny. It's you the can Lord read it in was one or two cities. Discipline. Discipline. I had to read the other book so I'd understand the little book. And but in that book, there's six keys of the treasure principle. I'm not gonna go through all of them, but the two that really hit a chord and really just just struck a nerve in a good way was uh, God prospers me not to increase my standard of living, but rather my standard of giving. Mm-hmm. And the other one was the only antidote to materialism is generosity. Mm-hmm. And so at that it's funny when I when when I'd read the other book, April and I got together and and I said, Hey, I think we're supposed to give more money. Because we were we were what you'd call tickled tithers. Like we tithe and oh we tithe, you know, and we you know we might have given a little
1: <laughs> I wish y'all could have seen the facial expression yeah. that just yeah. went with that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and
4: then I could do the arm motions with it too which no one can see. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we should do this on TV. And people would understand what I just did there. But so when you th- so we read that, and I said, "Honey, I think we're supposed to give more money." She's like, "Okay, let's. How much should we give?" I go, "I'm not sure." I don't want to influence you. I don't want you to influence me. So what? It was kind of, was like a negotiation, right? I was like, let's pray about it. So we prayed about it for about a week. And then we literally like wrote down our numbers and exchanged them. And we both wrote down, we were going to become 15% givers. So we did that. And, and again, I'm not a prosperity theologian at all. I do not believe in the prosperity gospel one bit, but the Lord blessed us more than what we gave that year. So we sat down again. We're not big. These are probably the only new year's resolutions we've ever made. We're not new year's resolution people. And so again, we exchanged papers. Now, maybe because we're linear thinkers, we both wrote 20%. -hmm. So we became 20% givers. Then I read the treasure principle Mm -hmm. and it just convicted me. Cause what I noticed is my practice at the time was starting to take off. And I thought, man, even if we give 20%, we don't need, we don't need all that other money to live on. Like there's just a, there's just a point where like, man, we're very content with where we're at. So I just felt compelled that we were supposed to cap our lifestyle. Just live on a certain amount, and whatever else he gives us, we'll give that away. So now I've got to tell April this, and now I'm a little worried about this one because I'm like, man, I don't know. Like before, we were just increasing our giving. So I, we got on I ninety five because I figured she wouldn't hurt me if we were on I ninety five. And I brought this up
3: because he was driving, <laughs> and, and I
4: was like, hey, so what do you, hey, what do you think about like if we capped our lifestyle, just picked a number, and that was like our finish line? And she was like, well, how do you, what, how do you do it? I go, I don't know. I don't know anybody who does it. I don't know come to find out since that there are people who do that. And so that's what we did. We just made a commitment that that's what we would live on. now that month that numbers modified over the last few years. I mean, hey, we just married a daughter and and we just Pandemic. they go to college, college. and college all the all these kinds of things. and so but like we joke about it, but like when the kids are gone when we're gonna live on so little, it's gonna be like it's gonna, we're we're gonna be so rich because we need so little to live on. But that was a, that was you know, that passage, the story in Luke chapter 12 about building bigger barns was really convicting. Cause I'm sitting there going, you know, I like, I like how Luke writes it. He's like self, I know what I'll do with my money. Like it's very selfish. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'll build bigger barns. And it's not what we're called to do. We're called to be generous. We're called to give the Lord blesses you. I mean, is he blessing you to lavish it on yourself or is it so you can be a conduit, so you can be a blessing to others? And I think it's to be a blessing to so others. So let me
0: ask you a question, because I'm listening to you and I love and I agree with everything you're saying, but how can you tell our listeners to how do, how do they can get to that point in their hearts? Mm-hmm. You know, because we can all agree with what you're saying and I personally agree. But what is something you can tell our audience and be like, you know what? This is the reason why it's so easy for me right now to say it. Is it because of what we know? It's because you have Christ in your heart and everything you experience. But how can you tell somebody that don't know Christ or that is listening to this podcast and be like, "Oh, well, that sounds amazing," but I wonder how did he got to that point in his heart and life that that he thinks that financially he's okay to do it? Because there's people that don't have that much, and those that have a lot, but yet they're not. Their heart is not in that place. Mm-hmm. Did I explain myself well? So
3: yeah. So I think for me, so. Steve, when we've done the spiritual gifts test, his spiritual gift is giving. So it's definitely going to be a lot easier for him to get to that point Mm -hmm. than it would be for me because that's not my spiritual gift. I mean, obviously, we are all called to live generously. But he does have heart for that. And I would be more like Jimmy, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) we might need that money. Stop giving it away. But I think for me, it was he – And before he got on 95, he did have me – he said, you need to read this book by Randy Alcorn, The Treasure Principle. So I did read the book. So I highly recommend maybe reading that book. It's it's a very short read. I mean, I think I read it in a day, maybe two. I mean, like it's a quick read. But it opened your eyes to that. So for me, that was extremely helpful to see why we are to be generous, why God – I mean, we all know that God calls us to be generous, but what it was a more practical way of what does that look like? And when you live generously, what can you do with it? And I think too, like the capping our lifestyle, when we talked on the first podcast about boundaries, Mm -hmm. again, that's a boundary, but it also gives us more freedom to when we are somewhere and we see a need, Mm -hmm. we can just be like, yep, no problem. I got you. I can give to that because. I know the money's there because I know we're not spending it on this. We have the money because our lifestyle has been capped. So I don't have to worry. Can we pay for groceries this week with that extra money? Can we pay for the mortgage? We That's been covered. This is all extra. So we do know that we have the money. So there is freedom in that, that you can just live more generously because you just have those that freedom. So-
2: As we're talking about that, I'm thinking, so what are some of the financial mistakes or pitfalls we need to avoid so that we can be generous givers? I mean, for just a little bit, we talked about credit cards, student loans, you know, all those things that, you know, as young couples and even, you know, middle-aged couples that can kind of tie us up financially, what are some of the things that we could tell the listeners out there, what do you need to avoid in order that we can be generous And a a
0: little side note, because it seems to me that it works for you guys because you guys as a couple are doing it together. You agree together. So for those that are listening, you know, this is not a decision that the wife wants to do one day and then this is gonna happen or the husband, you all have to be in the same page. Absolutely. <laughs> so what Kira said, like how can we be good stewards with that? But and keep in mind that you're both in the same page.
4: Yeah. So St. Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. And so I think it applies to our finances, right? So contentment is huge. Mm-hmm. And getting to the point where we go, man, we have enough. Mm-hmm. We have more than enough. And so and so the pitfalls would be, by the way, when you feel content, you can avoid debt,
3: mm-hmm. right? Because
4: I'm not going, oh my goodness, I got to replace my three-year-old car because <laughs> it has 30,000 miles on it. Like, dude, <laughs> drive it for... 15 and get 200,000 miles out of it and, or whatever it needs to be. But you find contentment, that contentment, I think, begets you being generous mm-hmm. because you're content in the Lord. And then, so when you do get extra, if your business is blessed, if, if you get a promotion, if you get a raise, you don't see it as yours. You see it, everything as the Lord's. And when you see it as the Lord's, it's much easier to make these decisions. And uh, I would go back to like, so it's this, and, and we got to a point, look, the Lord blessed our business. And so that, that worked out. That doesn't necessarily happen for everyone. A lot of people have a job You just get, you know, you get normal raises and all this kind of stuff. And maybe you've never given April. And I did walk into the marriage, both being tithers. We were 10%. That means a 10th. We gave 10% of our income before taxes to the Lord. We just always did that. But as the Lord blessed, we started looking at going, man, do I really need, like, we don't really need all this to live on. But for someone who's struggling, very similar to the saving conversation, like maybe you're not saving, hey, 10% like you'd like to save 1%, save two. I would tell somebody, hey, start giving the Lord one. Start giving the Lord two. Mm-hmm. Start giving the Lord three. Start testing him in this. It's the only area where we're, we're literally commanded in Malachi. To test the Lord. Matter of fact, Jesus goes out of his way with the, when, he's, when he's with the devil and he's in, in Luke chapter four, he's got his arm around him, says, hey, throw yourself down. And he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now he could have thrown himself down. He would have lived and have been fine. But he said, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Except in Malachi, he does say, test me in this. Mm-hmm. And specifically bringing in the tithes and the, and the offerings to the storehouse. And so it's a good reminder that, hey, let's trust the Lord. How much do we really trust the Lord? Yeah. And I think the rubber really meets the road when it comes to money like do i really trust him to do what he says he'll do and there are promises all throughout scripture we just read a couple of them that tell us that he will provide and that's what we trust
0: i like this topic because it's basically trying to challenge us to one question like what is the root of your contentment like you guys have been talking about because april you just read you know like where your heart is you know that's where everything else will go. And then you can't serve to long. So if the root of your contentment is money you know, that goes away easily. But it seems to me you guys have placed the root of your contentment in the best one, which is Christ. And you both together as a marriage have decided to take this path. So I think that's why I, I was asking about that, because our listeners, if, it, if this is something you want to do in your marriage, which is a great step, but this is a, something that you guys have to do together, right, Kristen? Because one cannot do and the other, no, it, it you will have not to do work. It together.
3: Absolutely, because it will become a sore spot too. It'll mm-hmm. become a place of strife, bitterness, anger, whatever to where it's going to start to affect your marriage. Which you we know
0: finance is a, one of the number one reasons for divorces. So, right. something you can add to that April. I mean, what has that helped you the fact that you guys both are on the same page? I love that every time you guys say like, oh, we hope we're both at we're on the same mind with how much to give and how much to do, but how that has helped you guys.
3: I think too, I think some of it is if you Just try, like doing it, like trying it, like saying, okay, well, what does that look like? Well, let's just try it. Baby steps, save 1%, give 1% more, give 2% more. But as you see what happens, because again, we're told to test him. And then you can see that he may not bless you materially back with something, but you get a blessing because you see how maybe your gift worked for somebody else. That's fun. So, you start seeing that. So, yeah. then you get a little more on board with it. So, you just start seeing the fruits of it and what happens with it. And I think you just start getting excited about it. So, it becomes easier to have that mindset because to me, the treasures in heaven are sold. So, yeah.
0: so Kira had mentioned before like pitfalls in terms of credit cards. And how can you guys tell us more about that? And also investments that we can do to be wiser.
4: Yeah, sure. So again, the credit card, look, there are going to be times, man, it's just tight and the car needs repair. It's a thousand bucks. You don't have it. That's what gets you to work. You're going to, you're going to figure that out. You're going to put the (laughs) thousand. But what I find most of our credit card debt, mine included when we first got married, it was just me being building bigger barns. It was just me wanting more stuff, wanting more Nikes, whatever the things were, instead of being diligent and and wise about about spending so Again, the major pitfall for most people, it's debt. Because you just think, well, I'll just make more money. Well, you can't always just make more money. It doesn't always work that way. You don't, you don't always, it doesn't, you might lose your job. I mean, something like that happens. There and might be so, a pandemic. There might be a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that, like every hundred, every hundred years. And we happen to be in, you know, we're coming out of it, but we're yeah. like, we happen to be in one, right? I mean, like it's, I mean, we're not out of it, but hopefully it's looking brighter and getting better. But yeah, you never know. And so, and that's why too, like setting that money aside in savings helps you avoid that type of, that type of issue. And then of course, then you can do, so there's three things you can do with money, right? You can give it, save it and spend it. Saving is fine. It's it's interesting. Some people aren't interested, but you know, spending is good. I mean, it's fun to do. It depends on what you're buying, right? If you're going to Target or whatever it was you're talking about, but even that, like, have you ever made a bad purchase and you're just like, gosh, yes. why did I buy that dumb thing, right? <laughs> yes. But you know the one thing so that you don't, never... you don't
0: have to talk to them like that. <laughs> <laughs> why are you looking at me? Well, yeah. Why are you looking at like it? that
4: DVD rewinder I bought wasn't a <laughs> good. <right? laughs>
1: We all remember that.
4: <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so dated, THS no. type. <laughs> yeah.
4: and, and, and so, but then, but like when it comes to giving, like, like April just said, it's so much fun. Like, it's of the three things, is the thing that brings the most joy. It's almost as though God knows what He's talking about mm. when He writes mm. this in the scriptures, and it is the most joy. Even like I, we've probably made some gifts that we probably look and go, oh, they didn't do what we thought, but at the same time, we were like, eh, we gave it. We were supposed to give it it's a gift. The Lord called us to do it. We did it. But I mean, we always, those gifts never return void. And again, it's not always a material benefit, but it's just, there's a spiritual benefit. Mm -hmm. There's a joy, right? You know, there's happiness and joy. You know, the difference, happiness, the happiness is, it happens because of something that happened. Joy is just a a constant feeling. It's a constant spirit that the Lord gives to us. And so, and then, so you have, then you have, you know, saving, investing, Investing can be fun when it goes up, but it's not always fun because it doesn't always go up, right? So then sometimes you're like, oh, what should I be doing? But again, long-term, you set some money aside. If your company has a 401k plan, put money into your 401k plan. If your company does it, you can set up your own IRA account, a Roth IRA. There's a variety of things that you can do, and you could talk to a a financial advisor about that. And they could kind of walk you through the different options that you have. But, but it's obviously, as we, we said before, you know if we can get to a place where we're saving some money for the future, because one day we're not going to work. I mean, you may die before then, Jesus may come back before then, but you're going to probably reach an age where you're no longer working, you're not earning an income. So you need to have something set aside. And Proverbs tells us that in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. But the foolish man devours all that he has. Mm-hmm. And so we should be storing up for the future, not not in a greedy way, not in a selfish way, not in a bigger barns kind of hoarding kind of way, but just in a pragmatic, practical way that I think is honoring to the Lord.
0: So you talk about investment and how about the more popular investment right now that is called cryptocurrency? Mm-hmm. Seems like it's like the it thing. You know, we don't have to get in details, but any feedback on that?
4: So there's a basic rule in investing. Don't invest in something you don't understand. So I have literally read two books on it. I've read, I don't know, countless articles. I still don't really know how it works. (laughs) And so I now I dip my toe in it just because people ask me about it all the time. I was like, I should probably to be able to talk about it. I should probably put a little bit. So I have a very minimal amount in it. We, we, we just put a little, a little chunk in there. But I tell people all the time, if you don't understand how it works, it's not a good investment for you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, there's, a, there's an old story back in 1929 that somebody came up to Rockefeller, a shoeshine boy, and he was giving him stock tips. And that's when he knew the stock market was going to crash. And so everywhere I go, everybody wants to talk about crypto. 20-year-olds that know nothing about finance, just everybody wants to talk about it. the paperboy, everybody. So I think it's a, probably a good indicator. I may eat my words on this, but it's probably not going to be very long lasting. Yeah. Just, you know.
0: So for those young ones, then they're interested in crypto or not inter- interested in crypto. What is something you can tell them? Like, Okay. So crypto is not the only thing young one, what's another thing you can encourage and be like, Hey, can you start? I know you say already like save and all that stuff, but what's another thing you can encourage our young ones?
4: Sure. Mutual funds are a great way to start because and there's a literally, there are too many to name, but you can buy a mutual fund. It'll have a bunch of stocks in it. You don't have to pick the right one. You can, they, they also have funds that invest in bonds and real estate different things like that. What's you, the
0: minimal age for that?
4: Usually 18. And if you're mm-hmm. before 18, it depends on the state, but 18. And then if you're younger than that, your parents can be the custodian. They could be the okay. guardian of the account. And you can put in the kids' names. So like we set up ki- accounts for the kids and, hey, we just got to give Hannah her account because she didn't end up using it. And so she got into her marriage and she had a nice So we can use chance.
0: that as like a, a reward, kind of yes, like, hey, absolutely. for a birthday, you want a mutual account? We can do it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So actually last year-
2: for Christmas, one of our kiddos, we took him over to Steve's office. And for his Christmas gift, we gave him something to start his investments. And oh, come Steve on. sat down with him and helped him invest in his first stocks. And he, I think wore, that's a great he idea. He wore a suit. <laughs> <laughs> we started with his
0: fashion. Yeah, okay. It was, yeah. It was, I,
4: I was like, okay, kid, you're 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 serious about this. And yeah. we, we talked through what he liked. And and one of the things, one of the principles I taught him was invest in things you know. Mm-hmm. So he invested in Nintendo was one of the stocks and i forget the second one but i know he wants to work for he wants to work for nintendo, nintendo. one day yeah. and he's learning japanese so yes. he can live in japan i mean mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing i mean wow. and so i said hey let's invest in i mean why exactly. why not why not do that and so so, that. so there's a you know, just invest in things you know about that you pay attention yeah, to yeah so just
2: know, just know steve you've you've set up a trajectory for him so for every Major birthday, Christmas, whatever. He only asks for money for investing. That's,
4: that's awesome. all he wants. He's that's like, great. that's all. That's hey, you guys did a, want, you guys did a great best. job, like raising them He's to like, save I don't, money. I don't,
2: I don't want Nikes. <laughs> I just want money to invest. <laughs> that's awesome. I wasn't thinking of a mutual. I
0: didn't even know what mutual funds were, like at 18. I didn't know any of that. Right. No. All right.
1: So this is hitting close to home because worked very briefly when when Jimmy and I first got married. But for most of our married life, we've we've survived on one income and our church is so generous to us and surviving isn't a good word for it at this point, but it was when we were first married and, and made the decision to be a stay at home mom. It was a sacrifice and we sacrificed a lot and so glad we did and it was worth it but on a single income for those that are either single moms who are without choice mm-hmm. having a single income or for those who have made the decision to stay at home and work from home that way how can these couples who feel really strapped and for good reason how can they invest and save
3: i think because we did the same when we when our Oldest was born, we had made the decision to stay home. I was working at the time and Steve had gone to a job where he was just the year before, he was making nothing. He went to a completely Mm commission-based income. We actually put off having children for a year because Mm -hmm. that was important to us to stay home and but you know, we had to feed them. (laughs) So and ourselves. So I I think just what Steve talked about before. Whatever you can invest, it doesn't have to be twenty to thirty percent of your income. It can be 1%. 1%. I mean, if you're not saving or investing anything, yeah. just do it 1%, 2%. And then slowly as, as you get, maybe when you get a raise, um, we have a young couple Bible sit at our house and this is what they do. They both work. But when they get a raise, they just take that money and put it into savings. So it's not, they don't give them, like they don't add that to what they have to spend. They just put more money into their investment and savings accounts. Yeah. So that's another great tip because you're already living on that already. And so when you get the raise, that's just like found money. You don't need it. You hadn't been living on it last week. Mm -hmm. So just put that in and start saving more money. Also, if you have an employer that gives matches for a matching 401k, definitely take advantage of that. I mean, sure, because now you're putting in $5 a month. No, you're putting in $10 a month. So you just doubled what you're putting in. Yeah. So that would definitely be one thing as I'd well. add
4: to that is sometimes I'll meet with someone, a single parent, and man, they're just they're just not making enough. I mean, you can we can squeeze the dollar, we can squeeze the ketchup bottle mm-hmm. nine extra times, and and so one of the things I have a conversation with you about is have you ever thought about a different job? Mm-hmm. So what happens sometimes, especially because, and, and this is and this is I'm going to be a chauvinist for this, but especially ladies. So guys are a little more adventurous on this kind of stuff. They'll take some more chances, but they think like, well, I I, I can't because I've got, I've got my kids. I'm like, I'm not telling you to quit your job and then f- find another job while you're working. <laughs> but you'd be amazed. And sometimes you'd think you think you don't have any mobility, but we have all kinds of mobility in our country. And so maybe the right thing for you to do is to actually be looking for another job opportunity that might pay you an extra 10, 15, 20%. And that can make all the difference. Yeah. And sometimes just telling that to someone, they'll go, hmm. yeah, because maybe they
0: like <laughs> we literally just yeah. like, like, okay, oh. that makes sense. Yeah, but they're literally
4: <laughs> like, well, I mean, I like my job. I like the people I work with. I'm like, you'll probably like the, the people at the next place. You're a nice person. You'll probably do great there. <laughs> And but there's something and again, we're not talking about somebody who's making a million dollars and going, I'm gonna go make one point one million dollars. We're talking about somebody who's making like forty thousand dollars going to make fifty, which changes the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're talking about something that really makes a big difference in someone's life and a family's life. So that would be something I just you know, something for people to think about.
2: So earlier, you guys were telling us about how you all implemented like financial literacy in your home early on with your girls, the 10 principle. What are some other things that we could do to just begin to teach our, not only our little kids, but our teenagers about even credit card literacy early on? April, I think you mentioned that when our kids go off to college, you know, sometimes they're sucked in by these, you know, you'll get a free t-shirt if you sign up for a credit Mm -hmm. card, not fully knowing what that means and what that could mean for their future or their financial future. So what are some things that we can do to prepare our children to be fiscally responsible and to just implement some of these principles.
3: I think the biggest thing we can do is just be transparent with how we spend our money. Mm-hmm. Just and just be honest, you know, just like no, we can't afford that or sometimes like no, we can't afford that, but we're not going to buy that because we're going to use our money for something else. So just yeah. be honest with them have conversations with them as you're at Target, as you're at I mean, I know. I go to Target. I love Target. <laughs> <laughs> as you're out with your kids and then you Say, you know, just have conversations with them, or like what we did, where they had to, as they got older and got more allowance, their responsibilities increased. So mm-hmm. they were having to pay for their own movies, their own meals out, their own clothes. I mean, we bought like socks and underwear, we bought the basics. They had to pay for it themselves. But, and one of the things that taught them is I remember one of our kids, she said to me, I need new jeans. Do you buy that or I do? And I was like, well, it's not socks and underwear, so you do. (laughs) And she said she wasn't very happy with me. And she was like, okay, well, I guess I'll wait. And then literally the next day, Hollister, wherever she wanted to buy the jeans, was buy one, get one free jeans. And she was like, oh, okay, I want to buy some now. But like that stuck in her head that if you just wait – because she didn't really need the jeans. She just wanted a pair of jeans. Mm -hmm. New pair of jeans. And so, but because it was her money, she was willing to wait. And then, literally 24 hours later, I got an email and then she got two pairs of jeans. Teaching
2: that delayed gratification. Delayed
3: gratification, looking for sales. All of a sudden, she was content with one pair. All of a sudden, (laughs) Uh she was content. And then she learned hey, if I wait, there's always a sale. There's always a deal. I don't really need it. I'm going to wait and see oh, look, I got two pairs. Like So that just kind of sticks with them. So if you give them those kind of responsibilities and have those kind of conversations with them, I think, I mean, I really do think that that helps them That's as cool. they are Is it, Yeah, it seems to
0: me you guys are basically saying also let them fail. L- let them challenge yes. them by... Yes. Let them also make their own decisions of like, hey, and showing ourselves too when we make bad choices. Because I know we have little ones, our ours are little, but we're at a point that they're asking for that, for allowances and everything, and we tell them all the time, we're like, hey, that was a bad purchase from our part, you know, and that's good. So, you know, you don't do that. So mommy and daddy are saving now because we want to pay off debts and we want to do that. So I think the transparency, like you're saying and showing that we also fail and let them fail, but also challenging them, you know, to be good stewards. So, and that note about being good stewards. So any particular online software or apps, because now there's millions of apps on the phone. Do you guys recommend to track finances or bill paid and, you know, offer
3: invest, investing? So, I mean, obviously there's QuickBooks and Quicken. I mean, those are pretty well-known software tracking programs for checkbook and balance checkbook and tracking everything. When we, I have a Mac. And so for a long time, QuickBooks wasn't an None of those were an option. So I just actually Made my own spreadsheet. Of
1: course she did. <laughs> I'm uh, out here smiling, going, Come on, tell us the truth. You got a spreadsheet.
0: Yes, I do
3: have a spreadsheet. And she's smiling. <laughs>
0: she loves spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets.
3: So so I just have my own our own spreadsheet, but every month I, you know, put all the expenses in, And then that way when all of a sudden we're like, where's all of our money going? We can very easily be like, Yeah, I spent too much money at Target. <laughs> or we we ate out too Never.
4: much. Never. Never, <laughs> honey. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yes, Target, <laughs> and
2: and just for those listening, Target is not a sponsor of the Mom Village. <laughs> <building. laughs> you
3: will think, you yeah, will
2: think. think they it. should, they should. Do it. So we didn't ask you about this, and I don't want to close without asking about this.
0: For but for people that want to pay debt really quickly, what's a quick advice you can share with this couples? Because we're we're on that boat. We're trying to pay debt. We already pay my student loans. Woo woo! I just wanted to say it because I'm so happy and proud. <laughs> saw that on Twitter. Yes, so proud of you. yes, yes. We we pay together because it's our debt. <laughs> And then now if we keep going the same way we're going, we pay off my husband's on February, and we're so proud of ourselves. But for people like in my boat, you know, parents with young ones, what's a good advice for paying debt? So
4: it's kind of, it's like gaining weight and, and losing weight, right? Yeah. You can gain weight really easy. You can get into debt real easy.
0: Wait, that, that's very frustrating for a woman. So make sure you, <laughs> more so. You're, you're very positive about this topic. So, so then,
4: but losing gets harder and getting out of debt is harder. So yeah. So you have to be patient. Okay. And so just, go, but if you have, so one of the best ways to do it is what we call snowballing the debt. Okay. So you literally line up your debts like ducks in a row. Let's say you had five debts and you had two credit cards, a car loan, a student loan and a mortgage. Well, you put the smallest debt first. Don't worry about the interest rate. Literally the smallest one first. So let's say it's a thousand dollar credit card and the minimum payment's $20. If you can swing, now you got to figure out, I mean, hopefully you can swing an extra 80 bucks, hundred bucks towards it, whatever it might be, whatever you can afford Put it towards that one debt. Keep paying the minimums on all the others. Pay that debt off, and then there's a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, and it keeps you like you like how how excited you just (laughs) were. This thing's got to be a TV show. So, but you were so excited about it. Yes, and then now you take those dollars because you don't have a place for them anymore, and you move them to the second debt. Mm -hmm. And now you start accelerating that, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, and however many you have. And we find most people you're not going to believe me when I say this. Drum roll. Including mortgage can be paid off in seven years.
1: <gasps> really? <Wow>. Mm-hmm. In-
0: <laughs> wait, wait. Did you say including mortgage? Including
4: the mortgage. Now, every now and then it might take 10 years, but seven's kind of the number.
0: Well, he's kind of right. At least for our part, when we sit down and we put everything on paper and we figure out that we pay my student loans and we're paying his in February, we can pay our mortgage in two years. So that's our road. And stop going to Target. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I didn't say Target that much because I'm (laughs) bound for that place. But (laughs) wow. Seven years. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, guys I'm inspired I know we can do it ladies <laughs> ladies we can do it together do it. we can do, do it. it together <laughs> thank you so much to this Khaleesi what a joy it's been having you guys here so much information so much knowledge thank you village for listening and stay tuned because there's more topics coming for before the end of the year but this has been the mom village and we're gonna say goodbye ready ladies and gentlemen one two three bye
3: bye <laughs>